All right, well, did you have a good lunch? How many of you had a good lunch today? Amen, that's good. I know the Jeffersons had a good lunch. They were sitting at the table across from us, and uh, we had a good lunch. So, um, praise the Lord for, for family, amen? And uh, I don't know what I would do without my family. I love my family. I love my church family also. I praise the Lord for all of you at Berean. Uh, I felt bad about Jose this morning. I, I abused Jose again, and... You know, one of these days when I'm preaching, he's going to learn not to sit on the front row right there, and he'll find another place to sit. But and I want to thank Joe for helping me out and allowing me to, uh, to make him lay on the floor with a chair on his back. And uh, I hope he doesn't, doesn't uh, I, hope, I hope you're not scarred for life there, brother, and I hope you get over that. All right. Well, take your Bibles with me this evening, and let's turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, and if you'll stand with me, please, we'll read verses 1 through 17 of Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the service we had this morning. Those that were here, I pray that uh, your word would have been a blessing to them. And tonight, once again, as we gather in this place, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would instruct us and that you would teach us from the word of God. Use this time, Holy Spirit, to inspire us and to uh, encourage us and to, to create a zeal within us. Help us tonight to leave this place with a renewed spirit and a desire in our heart to serve the Lord. Thank you for all that are here tonight. I pray you bless their time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This is a holiday evening. Normally a service such as this is attended by only the most faithful, most committed members of the church. You here this evening constitute the core, the backbone of our church. Those attending a service such as this seldom need to be rebuked. To do so would be 
to coin an old phrase, preaching to the choir. So what I would like to do tonight is just admonish us and encourage us. Life is difficult enough, but try to live a righteous life and you, really, you are really faced with a challenge. The psalm we read just a moment ago was written by a young man named Asaph. Asaph was a Levite. He was of the family of the Gershomites. Asaph was one of three men who proceeded the ark and sounded the cymbals. He also was one who wrote and sang songs of praises unto God. Asaph is attributed with writing 12 of the Psalms, Psalm number 50 and Psalms 73 through 83. Here in Psalm 73, Asaph expresses that which we all face from time to time. He faces a moment of discouragement in his service to God. We read just a moment ago in verse number 2 where Asaph pens, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Now why, could th- why would this be? What could possibly cause a man who lives his life in service to the Lord, to become discouraged. Well, Asaph tells us in verse 3 the cause of his discouragement. Look at verse 3 with me again. He pins here, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Oh yes, the Christian life is not a path leading through beautiful and fragrant rose gardens. It is a path that is often fraught with hardships, with sufferings, peril, and sometimes even death. Paul relates to us as as God's people in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the great sufferings that he endured as, as a minister of God. He writes, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And this is the testimony of the Apostle Paul. So can we who seek to live righteously for Christ expect any different? Christ himself warned us of the trouble that we would face In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22, we read, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Jesus told us that we are not above the Master and that they will hate us just as they hated him. In Matthew chapter 10, we read the words of our Savior, The disciple is not above his Master, nor the servant above his Lord. 
It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? And you and I, as, as children of God, as, as, as men and women who seek to live a righteous life in the sight of our God, we can expect a very difficult, very perilous road. Discouragement will come. And when it does, we, just as Asaph in this psalm, may be tempted to look at the wicked in their revelry and prosperity and become a little envious. The wicked do not tithe. They can afford all the toys that they want. They do not attend church. They can play and entertain themselves unto their heart's content. They have no fear of God. They live life to please every whim of the flesh. And sometimes from the outside looking in, it appears that they are happy. They seem to enjoy life and suffer no consequences for their lack of reverence for God. They boast of their freedom and independence from the legalism of God and his laws. Asaph is at this moment perhaps feeling a little sorry for himself. Those around him are not as he, dedicated and serving the Lord so faithfully. And he has seen their revelry, and he is envious of this. He awakes as he does every morning and observes them as they go their way, oblivious to God and his word. And he begins to hang his head and question his commitment to God. But then something happens. Look with me at verse 17 of Psalm 73. He writes here, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Oh yes, God moves and acts in his own time according to his knowledge and his wisdom. God is merciful. He is long-suffering. He is patient. But God's patience will run out. He will release his wrath upon the workers of iniquity. I read from 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 15 and 16. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, and despised his words, and misused his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. Men may mock God today. Go ahead and allow them their, their, their mockery of the Lord. Allow them their, their, their ignorance to God's, to God's laws and God's words. But perhaps you've heard the old saying, he that laughs last, laughs best. And God will have the last laugh. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 through 28, we read, Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. 
I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Oh, yes. Take heart tonight, my dear friends, the, the, the faithful saints of God. For Paul pens in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Asaph came to his senses and he understood therein. And so tonight I encourage you and, and I as children of God to be of good cheer, for the Lord remembers his children. So with the time remaining tonight, and I want to be brief on this holiday night, allow me to share some thoughts with you. Thoughts that comfort me when I find myself where Asaph was, in that seat of, of discouragement. Some lessons I have learned after 29 years of ministry. So I just want to share three thoughts with you tonight and we'll be done. Number one, God is everything and I am nothing. God is everything and I am nothing. I'd like for you to turn with me, please, in your Bibles to John chapter 3. There have been times in my Christian ministry over the past 29 years when I've been where Asaph is. Times when, and, and, and allow me a moment of, of self-pity, if you will. Times when I, I've laid everything out there. I had nothing more I could give, and yet it just seems like I couldn't get anywhere. Times when it just, it just felt like you'd look out at the, at the unsaved people and they, were, they, they had all the nice homes, driving all the nice cars, wearing all the nice clothes, going to all the great events, and, and, and I was busy serving the Lord and, and driving automobiles that, uh, that, that just shouldn't have even been on. How they passed safety inspections to be on the street, I don't know. Wearing hand-me-down clothes, literally, a woman in our church, her husband died and she brought me all his clothes, and that was the clothes I had for quite some time in the ministry. And just sometimes I would look up and I'd say, man, it just doesn't seem fair. But you know what I've learned over the years? I don't deserve a thing. I don't deserve anything. You good friends that I have, I don't deserve you. But God has given you to me. My family, my children, my wife, I don't deserve anyone as good as that, but the Lord has granted me that gift. I don't deserve it. God is everything, and I am nothing. Therefore, I have learned that I will be content with whatever situation I find myself in. Look with me at John chapter 3, please. And let's begin reading at verse number 26. 
And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Now, according to Jesus, John the Baptist was the greatest man ever born of woman. This is recorded in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11, where Jesus states, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now, this is quite the credential, is it not? To have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate, declare you to be the greatest man ever born. Now, that makes you something. That makes you, whew, I mean, that, that's the crowing point, amen? You can stand up and you can, you can roll your shoulders back and say, Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the greatest. That's quite a testimony. But not according to John. See, John declared that he must decrease. See, what happened is they came to John and they said, John... Here you are, the big man, doing all the baptizing in the Jordan. Everyone loves you. And here came, oh boy, this Jesus has arrived. And John, you're losing your crowd, buddy. Everybody is running after Jesus' coattails. And John says, he must increase. I must decrease. In other words, John is saying, I am not important. God is important. God's will for me takes priority over my will for me. The things that God provides for me is better than the things that I desire for me. This is exactly what Solomon was trying to say in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, when he states, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That is what the Lord taught us in his prayer to God in the garden of Gethsemane when he prayed in Luke chapter 24 and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And by the way, even in those times when God's will may seem difficult for us, God gives us the strength to obey his will. For in Luke chapter 22 and verse 43, right after Jesus prayed that prayer, not my will but thine be done, we read, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And my dear brothers and sisters, I tell you tonight that when God has called us to do a difficult work, he has given us his angels for strength. He has given us heaven for strength. 
Be of good cheer. Fear not. God is with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. God is everything. And I am nothing. David realized this. And this is what inspired him to pen the words we read in Psalm chapter 8 and verse 4 where David writes, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Oh, my dear friends, tonight God is everything. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And you and I are nothing. Whatever God desires of us is far less than he deserves from us. Oh, my friends, God is everything. And I am nothing. In those times when I find myself where Asaph was, I I remind myself that I deserve nothing and God is everything and I am nothing. But then also in those times when I become weary and find myself as Asaph was in this, and when he penned this psalm, I remember, number two, that tomorrow never comes. Do it today. Tomorrow never comes. Do it today. Solomon, of course, we know, we all know that King Solomon possessed wisdom beyond any man other than Jesus Christ. He, he wrote these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. He writes, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Now, I must confess here tonight that I am certainly ranked among the world's greatest procrastinators. Yes, I'm one of those men that you will find at 9.45 on Christmas Eve trying to find a gift for my wife. Yep, I put it off to the last minute every year. I'm a procrastinator. Far too often I find myself pushing something off until tomorrow. But the truth is, Tomorrow never comes. And yesterday is always just a day away. Because tomorrow, there'll be another tomorrow. And when we fall into the trap of learning to put off the things that we should do, we will usually find ourselves in the place we don't want to be. Tomorrow never comes. Do it today. Now, don't get this out of context. My intention here is not to stress to you the importance of doing what you will do for the Lord today. Because you may not have a tomorrow. Listen, you can't can't say, okay, well, Lord, I know you want me to do this. I'll do it tomorrow. You may not have a tomorrow. In Proverbs 27 and verse 1, Solomon states, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Looking unto tomorrow is a presumptuous act, one that assumes upon God's sovereignty. James states this best in James chapter 4 when he writes, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know, several years ago I became quite aware of this truth. And when people come to me and say, I'll see you tomorrow, I'll, I'll usually respond, Lord willing. Because you see, I learned, I learned that I, I, God doesn't guarantee me a tomorrow. Matter of fact, God doesn't guarantee me another minute. I could drop dead in the middle of this sermon. Maybe some of you say, oh boy, that would be interesting. But the Lord himself has promised us nothing in, in this matter of time. And when we have something to do, we should do it and do it now and do it with all our strength and do it with all our might. Jesus himself admonished us to concentrate on today and not to worry about tomorrow. For in Matthew 6, 34, a scripture we all know very well, he said, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. As God's children, we must live and work today. Don't put off until tomorrow the things God has for you to do today. Tomorrow, if God wills and tarries, we will have another day in which to do the tasks that he's called us to do. But invest today in the work of God and don't wait until tomorrow to start. Why? Because tomorrow will bring forth another tomorrow. And today will slip away. So, first thing I, I, I remember when I find myself in those times in my life when, when I'm, I'm, I'm a little discouraged by what's happening around me, first thing is I remember that God is everything and I am nothing. And then I remember that I have today and I must work today for tomorrow never comes. So get it done today. And then thirdly, tonight I would like to say forsake the temporal and cling to the eternal. Forsake the temporal and cling to the eternal. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, we read, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Asaph was envious when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. He became, he became desirous of their wealth and their authority. He was tempted by their lasciviousness. I've seen this happen countless times over the past 29 years. Men start out living for Christ with enthusiasm and energy, but then they slowly become lured into the world by temporal things. John reminds us that all the world has to offer can be summarized in three things. In 1 John chapter 2, we read from verses 15 and 16, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life 
is not of the Father, but is of the world. John said that three things summarize the world. First, there's the lust of the flesh. And this represents everything you want to do. That, those desires of the flesh. Then he talked about the lust of the eyes. And this characterizes everything you want to have. You know, I'm so glad that we have shopping networks that tell us what we just have to have. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That men have thought of us enough that they have gotten uh, together a, a TV channel that does nothing 24 hours a day but show us all the things we have to have to be happy. The lust of the eyes. And then there's the pride of life. And this represents everything you want to be. That pride, that, that desire for, for prestige and for prominence. These are the things that are of the world. These things are not of God. They are of the world. They are of the devil himself. And it is a foolish man that invests his life in these things. Because John tells us in verse 17, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Oh, tonight, cling to eternal things. I, pre I, I preached on this a little bit Wednesday night. We as God's children have become far too infatuated with the things of this world. We've become all caught up in having big houses and fancy cars and, 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 and uh, the best of clothing and all these other things. And I'm not against those things. Again, please remember, I told you and I have said many, for, for many years, you ought to live in the best house you can afford to live in. You ought to drive the best automobile you can afford to drive. You ought to dress the best you can. You ought to eat the best you can. You can look at me and tell. I definitely believe in eating well. But these things cannot, must not captivate our lives. We must be content with such things as God gives us. Cling to eternal things. Cling to the things, uh, live for the things that you can take with you to heaven. I can't take my car to heaven, thank God. But you know what I can take to heaven with me? I, I can take my wife and my children. I, I can take my friends. I can take uh, my prayers go before me unto the Lord. They're there waiting for me. Oh, these are the things we must cling to. The Word of God. We can take the Word of God with us. We get, we get to have a copy of, of course, we won't need the written Word of God in heaven. We'll have the living Word of God. Forsake these worldly things. Listen, have, have nice things, absolutely. As such, have such as God provides you the means to have. But don't trade God for possessions. Don't give up the calling of the Lord upon your life to pursue monetary things, to pursue wealth and, and possessions. Cling to the eternal things. Jesus admonished us to lay up treasures in heaven. Seek not for the things of the world. Trust God and be content with the things you have. Be satisfied and use what God has given you to glorify Him. And in this, you will find joy and happiness such as you could never imagine. 
Asaph found contentment and happiness. And we see in, in Psalm 73, at the end of the psalm, we, find, we see that he did indeed. He did once again find that joy and happiness. But where did he find it? Did he find it in pursuing the things of the world? Did he find it by forsaking God and submitting to the desires of the flesh? Turn with me. Let's go back to Psalm 73. Psalm number 73, once again, let's all go there. And let's look beginning at verse number 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For, lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Oh yes, Asaph found joy and happiness but he found joy and happiness in the Lord and in God's things. Let us always remember, God is everything, and I am nothing. Tomorrow never comes, so do it today. Forsake the temporal and cling to the eternal. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. And Lord, we love you. But you loved us before we even knew you. Your love is beyond our ability to comprehend or understand. And as we stand here tonight, we are amazed. We are amazed at your care for us. As David said in Scripture, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Father, we just praise your name tonight. We just want to take a moment and worship you and praise you. And thank you for all you do for us. We deserve nothing. And Lord, I pray that in those times when we might get a little discouraged, in those times when we might look around us and see the revelry of this world, I pray that we will not be deceived by the things of this world, by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But Lord, that we would keep our hearts and our, and our eyes focused on, on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith that we might go forth from this place in your strength, with your courage, and do your work. Thank you for your people here tonight on this holiday evening. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would use this time to strengthen us and encourage us. Thank you for these things, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.